Alrighty, so what to do, Skippily? Welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's, where your boy has decided to actually do a little bit more grammar before I decide to dive into other aspects of. Um, also, give me ideas. What do you want to hear more of? Do you like the etymology? Do you like it when I dissect words? Um, for example, like hyponitremia, for instance, hypo meaning low. The N-A-T-R affix referring to natrium, which is the formal name for sodium, which is why we have N-A on the periodic table referring to sodium, and emia referring to a presence in blood. So if you have a hyponitremic uh, blood panel or whatever, you get it back in, in your blood, you have hyponitremia, you have a low sodium presence in your blood. Now, if you like that kind of stuff... I can definitely do a lot more of which I definitely do a lot on my TikTok because you can visually see as I break down each word and show its prefix, affix, suffix, and then do a little bit of word substitution as well as rearranging because then you can go from hyponitremia to go to um, anemia and meaning without, emia meaning presence in blood, anemia really just means uh, a lack or without a presence in blood. And when you are anemic, what do you need a predominant source of? You need more iron. So if you guys very well know, I'm sure if you guys have had a paper, paper cut, brought it up to your lips, tried to, you know, uh, slurpity slurp uh, the, uh, the blood, you know, so you don't make a mess or whatever. I don't know why we do these kinds of things. I think as humans, you know, we, we we're fine consuming our own bodily fluids. But what do you typically taste? Because I'm sure all of you guys very well know that it tastes very metallic-y, very irony. Therefore, if you are anemic, you are without that presence in iron. Therefore, you're probably more, most likely vegan, vegetarian, don't eat a lot of meat, don't cook in a cast iron skillet, um, or you just have a deficiency of some sorts. Um, and then if you want to go a little bit further from anemia, you could do hypothermia. Because again, what I did there is I brought back in that hypo, that prefix meaning low. So you have hypo, therm is actually an affix referring to thermia or therm, thermo, which refers to heat and or temperature. Um, uh, either or work in this case. And then emia again, remember if hyponitremia, um, if you have a low sodium presence in blood, in this case, you have a low heat presence in your blood, aka hypothermia. And therefore, in, in very severe cases, your blood actually basically freezes. You become hypoxic, hypo meaning low, ox, oxic, Ick is actually a derivation and a truncated version of emia, and ox refers to oxygen. O on the periodic table is oxygen. So then you go hypoxic when your blood freezes, aka low oxygen and or no oxygen. A lot of these cases, when you are hypoxic within your brain, that is when you have an ischemic response. Ischeme refers to a holding back of emic presence in blood. So if you're ischemic, you're holding back a presence. It's almost like a blockade. And when you're ischemic in your head, um, that's when you have a stroke of some sort um, and or you become hypoxic and then you have traumatic uh, brain injuries occur from that. So as you guys can see, you can do so much with language and understand how, well, languages help me understand and conceptualize more than just language. Uh, it helps me with um, 
just medical terminology, the understanding of my body. Um, and, you know, it, it's just kind of cool stuff in my opinion. I mean, this is when I start to actually, when I read books now, I come across words that I might not know of, but then I do this thing which I call etymologizing. Etymologizing. I want to create that make that a word. Happy etymologizing. That's it, guys. Happy etymologizing, everybody, because I do that every single day of my life. I look at words that I might not know, but then I can break them down etymologically, see which bits and pieces, almost like a partitive genitive that we were talking about last case scenario, right? The parts of a whole. The parts of the whole of a word can help you kind of delineate what's going on. So, for example, another one could be... Um, well, how about hypoglycemia? Maybe I'm going to just turn this into a medical etymology and I'll do reflexive and intensive pronouns for my next episode. Um, yep, I think I've decided to do that just right now because I uh, am pretty amped on talking about this kind of stuff as well as I hope you all are as well. I'll get into some muscles as well. I think I'm just going to do this as kind of like a ramble bamble word breaking down session because you you guys if you guys listen and if you guys input this information you can understand how um all of these words all these fancy dancy ten dollar words that you can whip out of cocktail parties and dazzle your folks or whatever i don't know um it also just becomes inherent and ingrained within you when you start to practice higher vocabulary higher diction um, you just become more eloquent and I mean, you become more highfalutin in a way, but you know, uh, I, I don't like highfalutin because it kind of has this connotation of hoity-toity and pish posh. It's not that it's just knowledge. It's just learning. It's growing. It's what we do all day, every single day. So getting back to hypoglycemia and then we'll go to hyperglycemia. <coughs> Excuse me. So, hypo, again, meaning low, glycine, if you think about it, G-L-Y-C-M, glycine, yeah, sorry, uh, spelling in my head is harder than actually visualizing it in front of me and or typing it out, but we'll be okay, I think. Yeah, I think we'll be okay. I've consulted with Mr. Connerly. We'll be okay. Okay, so hypo, again, low glycine is that apex referring to glucose or actually in its very, very basic fundamental form. It comes from glikis, which means sweet in Greek, which then refers to glucose, which is what? Sugar. That's what sugar is. That's what, what we like to eat because that spikes our blood sugar. And then we get that glycemic response, whether it be low and or high. But in this case, if you are hypo, you are low, you are glycine, you are sugar, and then you are emia, you are presence in blood, then you have a low sugar presence in your blood, and you probably need a snack of some sort in order to raise that blood sugar so that you're not in that very hypoglycemic state. If you guys very well know, you know, hypoglycemia just feels like you're very, you know, lethargic, you're about to pass out. Very, very similar to hyponatremia. I think nowadays we're starting to understand more and more the 
the importance of electrolytes within um, our diets um, because of how um, torn our soils are from basic minerals and nutrients. Uh, apparently, you know, because we've just completely disintegrated our soils, we, uh, I've been reading a lot about how we need to be supplementing with some sort of magnesium because the amount of magnesium levels that have been and should be in soil are not present in soil anymore because we've tilled it, we've added glyph glyphosates, we've basically just nuked it with all these chemicals. So by doing so, we take away the magnesium. I wonder if I could make up a word and say hypomagnemia, low magnesium presence in blood. I don't know, whatever. But what you can say is you could say hypokalemia, K-A-L, refers to, well, what's K on the periodic table, y'all? Well, if you know, you probably know it's potassium. If you didn't know, now you know. It's more formal term, though, is calium. So you have a low sodium, no, I'm sorry, a, a low calium, a low potassium presence in blood, Maybe you need a banana. Maybe you're getting some weird muscle spasms um, and all that stuff. Get your electrolytes in. Remember, we have so many to really consider. We have not only sodium, we have potassium, we have magnesium, we have. Um, I do. I feel like there's more, but also there's only three. I think because we really want to uh, very much understand the importance of magnesium, sodium, and potassium, as well as the sodium and potassium pump. Sodium is what helps us contract our muscle. Potassium is what then helps relax said muscle. Okay. So I'll get off of that little side tangent of some little metabolic sciencey stuff. Because, well, if we are hyperglycemic, well, we're probably on the road of type 2 diabetes and or we are pre-diabetic and or we're just abusing sugar to the max because hyper means high, right? You can be hyperthermic as well. You got to be careful if you you, you achieve hyper, hyperthermia. A lot of people are doing these in saunas. Sauna, I hear, is great. I have yet to try it out, although I do want to do it at some point. Um because you can actually become become too hyperthermic. That's why you got to be careful when you get sick. That's why people get really worried when you achieve levels in your body that are like, you know, 105 or something like that, because that's when you can actually damage neurological cells within your brain. Um, and those don't grow back like, um, you know, your nails and your skin and hair and stuff like that. You know, once your neurons die, they fry, they're done, they're gone. So you don't want to do that to yourself. Hyperthermic, instead of hypo, meaning low temperature presence in blood, hyper would be high temperature in blood, aka when you get super sick, what happens? You have that hyperthermic response because your body essentially is trying to cook off that um, virus that's within your body. Okay? That's what happens. That's how it gets rid of it. That's why a lot of people, I've always had this response, especially as a kid, whenever I got sick. I would basically have a day where I just jack up my temp. Um, and then by the next day I was done and I was fine. I would wake up and I'd be, I was always like that as a kid. I don't know if other people are, but um, I was just that kind of person where I was sick. And then it was almost like I expected myself to go to sleep. And then when I would wake up in the morning, I'd be better. It was an expectation I had had because it would, it had happened so often as a kid for me. Maybe you're not like that. I'm sorry. 
I don't know if I'm really like that anymore either. Um, I think the more you age, the more you grow older, the more you become cognizant of how best you can live your life, right? I want to live, live my life better. I don't want, I don't care about living my life longer or anything like that. I mean, you know, by happenstance, probably the things that I do in my life will help me live longer than others, but I just want to live better, right? I got into this little, little thing uh, a while ago where, it, well, a little bit ago, actually, where somebody was really giving me a hard time for, you know, uh, living a healthy lifestyle because they were like, oh, you know, I had a friend once. I remember this. You know, I had a friend once that was a marathon runner and they were super healthy and they were fit and, you know, blah, 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 this and that. And then they died of cancer at 50. And then from that moment on, I decided that I was just going to live my life and do whatever I want and not be a slave to myself and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that's great. That's awesome that you think that way. But at the end of the day, I don't do this in order to live longer. I do these things in my life to live better, to do more things on a day-to-day basis. When you feel better, you do more things. You're more productive. You are better. You just, you know, like... I mean, and this person that I was getting lectured from was definitely around 300 pounds, I would say. There's a there's an aspect of this body positive movement that I love so, so much. But when you are morbidly obese and you're saying that that's a healthy way, that's just a lie to yourself and to the people around you, and you're doing something very harmful, you're promoting something that is inherently and essentially bad for you. It's like you saying that smoking cigarettes is actually healthy for you and they can prove it to you. Okay. It just doesn't work out like that. Objectively speaking, we know that metabolically our society is at a, at arms. We're at turmoil. Wow. I'm getting into all kinds of t- tangents, but for real though, I mean, like I was reading the other day, you know, we used to refer to type two diabetes as adult onset diabetes. But now we can't do that anymore. You know, you want to know why? Because we have kids that have type 2 diabetes already. I was teaching a lot of those kids. Oh, my God. There were some of them. Oh, my gosh. Just always eating such junk food. Oh, my God. You know what? I didn't realize the amount of glyphosidic um, residue was in goldfish. I did a deep dive on that kind of stuff because that's a snack as well as Pringles. Pringles are a big thing that my students would eat. What's another thing that they would eat? Um, Takis for sure. I mean, that, that's awful. My, as everybody knows, all my students know, Mr. Connolly's room, Taki free zone, Taki free zone. No way those are going to end up in my classroom because guess what? For some reason, kids don't know how to eat because I think the purpose of food is to you know, yum, 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 chew it up, swallow it, absorb said calories, whether they're good or bad calories, because honestly, I don't think that you're getting much nutrients from Takis, but you know what, you can be okay with that and whatever, you know. Uh, but for some reason, these kids happen to have them end up more on the floor than in their stomachs. And uh, 
unfortunately, the floor can absorb calories. So I don't know why they just think that my floor can. You know, you can't feed my floor. Jeez. Sometimes they were very obnoxious when I think about them. God. Or sneaky, too. The amount of times that I told them no eating and I, then I would see them eating. Ooh, man. And then I'd catch them and they knew they were in the wrong. Man, I just don't like that sneaky behavior. I would rather grant you yes and give you the snackage because I don't care about snacks. It was only because admin was all over my butt about how, you know what, I can have snacks, blah, blah, this and that. And here I am just like, you know what, as long as it's, you know, they're, they're hypoglycemic, I think that they should be having a, a few more snacks here and there. Sorry, guys. I just had to make that a rule. And if you're sneaky about it and you go behind my back and still disregard my rule, that's when Mr. Connolly has to lay down the gauntlet. Apparently, I am keen on saying a few terms. Well, one of them was made into a plaque that I actually had that's displayed in some of my TikToks, which is no spiels. I should go into that at some point in my TikTok. No spiels, because Mr. Connolly had to do many a spiel in a class. So many times that I think a class time would be devoted on talking about behavior. I kid you not. I've, I, I know very well what it's like to be a parent now uh, to very misbehaved children. Okay. Um, but then again, as I've said, I love them so much too. So it's this weird dichotomy where I do, I know how I, it feels to be a parent without actually being a parent. Um, and I think I'm okay with that, at least for now, for sure. Um, but yeah, no spiels because Mr. Connolly had to do many a spiel in this class. And uh, what's another one? Well, I attended to throw down the gauntlet, even though I didn't want to. So those were my two big ones. Um, no spiels and uh, uh, throwing down of the gauntlet and mic drop. I do a lot of mic drops in class. Those were the ones that they said that they wanted to make me a shirt. <laughs> Anyways, that's a little bit of a side tangent going back. Let's bring it back into some other words here. So um, we were just talking about hyperglycemia, hypoglycemia. Well, if you think about it, the glycemic index is just an index on a scale from, I think, like 0 to 90 or 150. Excuse me. I'm not sure. But regardless, it's uh, an index that basically shows you how sugar affects the body on an index, a glycemic index. Glycemic referring to sugar from glucose Emic presence in blood, the glycemic, the sugar presence in blood index. Isn't that all too interesting? Well, I'd say that it is. Now, just to, you know, veer off into another direction, how about let's talk about some physiological terms because I just thought of the word abduction because I was, um, I was going into my last episode just a little bit because we were talking about degrees of adjectives. Maximus, right? So what is Maximus on our body? Well, we have our gluteus Maximus. <coughs> Excuse me. 
or gluteus maximus, aka the gluteal, the maximus, the greatest gluteal, uh, which aids in, well, actually, since I have my computer in front of me, I'm going to look this up. Gluteus maximus is, but I'm, I know that it's got to do hip extension, hip abduction, um, what else? Gluteus maximus function. All right. This is what I like. And then we'll get into it. Okay. So uh, I don't want the, the exercises. Now, function. Action. We'll do action. Okay. So it is um, for actions. So I think just the gluteus maximus. Well, if you think about it, we have extension of the hip joint. We have external rotation of the hip joint as well. That's what we call abduction. And we have also abduction of the thigh and adduction of the thigh. So it does help in adduction of the thigh just a little bit, not too much. Um, that's going to be much more of the adductors such as the sartorius and the uh, gracilis. And uh, I'm trying to think of Typical adductors, because ad means to or towards in Latin. Duco ducere means to lead and or drive, and the T-I-O-N refers to the action of. So if you're adducting, you are leading towards the action or the action of leading towards, and in this case, the midline of your body, because in physiology, everything is towards the midline of your body, a.k.a. the medial, right? If you think about it, if uh, looking at, the quadriceps, for instance, we have on the outermost thigh of the four, we have the lateralis, lateral meaning the most lateral to the outside of the body versus the vastus medialis. Vastus just means wide in Latin. Medialis refer refers to of the medial, the wide of the medial. And that is what we refer to as our teardrop muscle. This is what I love about language, right? Because then you can understand more of whatever um, it is that you want to know more of. Because language is what envelops all of what we learn. It's how we learn, is through language. So if you can understand language better, then you can learn better too. So you have your gluteus maximus, your gluteus medius, and your gluteus minimus. Medius, again, like medialis for your vastus medialis. It's more medial towards the midline of your body. And then your gluteus medius, or I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, minimus, which is, you know what? I want to look up the, the action real quick because that one, I think it just aids an extension of the hip. Oh. It acts as a hip stabilizer, an abductor of the hip. Okay. Let's see where that is on the body. How deep is that? Oh, it's on the side. So, yeah, it's definitely going to aid more in that. Um, yeah, because it touches the iliac crest and inserts into the femur. Cool. See, it helps me also get back into old things that I have yet to dive back into. So we have the gluteus uh, minimus, which does that abduction, ab meaning from or away from, to go to carry means to lead, and the T-I-O-N refers to action of. 
So if that's the case, then the gluteus medius minimus is going to be leading away from the midline of the body. So that would be you opening up your hips. And you could do it very much right now and think about how a part of your gluteus minimus is also affecting that portion. Okay. We also have things like our, let's go back to the quads real quick, because that's another extensor muscle. When you extend, you go out of, and then the tension refers to stretching. So out of stretching is what extension means. So extend uh, muscles that extend a lot. Think about your quadriceps as like the triceps of your legs and your hamstrings to be the biceps of your legs. In fact, you have a big hamstring muscle referred to as the bicep femoris, the femur or the bicep of the femur. Whereas you have uh, your rectus femoris, a part of your quadricep, one of the few biarticular muscles in the body crossing both over the hip and the knee joint. Okay. So that's what is also going to, well, if you're sitting right now, that's the muscle that's going to help in straightening that leg and holding it up and above. It might get tired after a while and then you got to put it back. It's where you might feel it in your hip flexors as well. Flexing is what brings that knee towards your chest. All right. So if you're flexing the hip, you're bringing it all the way and you're kind of coming into a fetal-like position. Okay. So then if you have bicep in your hamstring, think about it. Well, what about if you pull that heel towards the back of your thigh? That's what your hamstring's doing. It's called flexion of the femur and of the, well, the knee joint, basically. There's flexion going on there. Flexion also occurs when you flex your arm. That's why they call it, all right, flex your bicep. Because when you flex it, it's taking it from its outstretched position and flexing it towards and bringing your hand towards your shoulder. That's flexion. Again, extension would be then to stretch out and engage your triceps. That's when you would take your other hand and feel the back of your arm and feel that little horseshoe kind of muscle of which there are three heads, a.k.a. tri. So there you go. I'm kind of done. I think I've been rambling on for quite a bit. I need to do some other work. But I really enjoyed this. I hope you guys did too. Happy etymologizing, y'all. Tempus est discetere. And for all of those that have stuck around this far, remember, I'm forever grateful and love you for going to throw me some love um, on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. There are more people that have been shouting me out and uh, giving me a review. So I really ever so appreciate it. You have really no idea because um, I, I, I just do this because I like to do this. I think it's a productive thing that I do in my life. And it's therapeutic. It helps me practice. And uh, yeah, there's no way I make money off of this. I was making money off of it for a second, but it didn't get enough traction. So I think I made a total of like five bucks off this podcast. So uh, 
Heck yeah, brother, man. Anyways, appreciate you all. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. Tempus est discere for the last time.